You're listening to the AWC City Voice podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington's cities. I'm Sarah, and today's podcast is all about the state budget. 2024 is a short 60-day session and a supplemental budget year, but there is still a lot to explore as AWC Government Relations Director Candace Bach sits down with AWC General Counsel Sheila Gall to discuss the state budget process, legislative budget proposals, and how these may impact cities moving forward. Let's get into it. everyone. I'm Candace Bach, Government Relations Director for the Association of Washington Cities, and really excited to be here with Sheila today to talk a little bit about the budget. Hi, everyone. This is Sheila Gall. I'm AWC's Legal Counsel, and I, too, am excited to talk about the budget. So, Candace, maybe we'll just start with a few context questions. How does the budget work? Well, the state budget, in a lot of ways, is much like a city's budget in terms of, you know, they, they are obligated to do uh, a biennial budget, and uh, then they do off-year uh, supplemental budgets, but they actually break their budgets into kind of three different distinct budgets. The operating budget, which is much like a city's general fund budget, the capital budget, and then they have the transportation budget separate. In the legislature, each of those budgets belongs to kind of a different fiscal committee. The House and Senate have their own fiscal committees. So in the, the Senate, the Ways and Means Committee uh, oversees the operating budget as well as the capital budget. And then the Senate Transportation Committee, of course, does the transportation budget for the Senate. In the House, um, the House Appropriations Committee does the operating budget, but the House also has a standalone capital committee that does the capital budget. And then of course the House Transportation Committee does the transportation budget. We are in the middle of that process right now with all of those committees having released their versions of the supplemental budgets uh, for 23-25 biennium and they will uh, be working to adopt those and then they'll have to all sit down and negotiate what the final pieces look like. I think one of the interesting things about these budgets is that particularly capital and transportation are often very bipartisan with Democrats and Republicans really working together. Uh, They're very project-based often and so Um, There's a lot of room for common ground there, and particularly uh, with the capital budget, since it requires on bonds and um, paying for the bonds requires a two-thirds vote of the legislature, they they really do have to be bipartisan to uh, be successful. And they've got to be done by the end of session, which is right around the corner. Yes. Um, Sheila, I know you really delve into a lot of the details of the budget for us. So maybe uh, you can tell everyone how big the state's operating budget is. Sure. So we're talking about a pretty big budget relative to cities. For the last biennium, um, it was about $69 billion. That was approved last year. And then for this year, the Senate's proposal is about $71.7 million, billion, billion dollars, with a B, and uh, the House was $72 billion. And so those are are big numbers. Um, Cities are not usually used to talking in the billions. Um, But what are some of the biggest budget drivers for the state's budget, and how are those different from cities? 
Yeah, so the state budget really focuses on schools and human services. Uh, so about half the state's budget, the operating budget, is spent on schools and about another third on human services. So a pretty big chunk of their budget is really dedicated to those things. Cities, on the other hand, really focus on public safety. About half of an average city's budget is really dedicated to law enforcement and fire and EMS services. So pretty different services for each uh, level of government. Yeah, and I know when legislators talk about the state's budget, they talk about the fact that a lot of it um, is beyond their control. There's a lot of mandates in there with school funding, with some of the human services funding, like Medicaid funding, Medicare funding that goes through the state are things they don't have a lot of flexibility to change. That's really true. And and caseloads drive it. And so they don't really have much choice when there's more caseload to fund, which has been the case the last couple of years. <laughs> This year is a supplemental budget year, so that is a little bit different from the the biennial budget year. Uh, it's the second year of the biennium. It's the short session year, so it's about supplemental budgets, which in the past have generally been, um, at least they used to be, traditionally kind of smaller, like not major changes, updates, tweaks, finding things that got missed and making corrections. That's less so in these last few years than it has been once upon a time. I think that's really true. It really has changed. Although I I would say that these sets of budgets that we're seeing this year are a little bit more in that flavor than maybe previous supplemental budget years that were, you know, we've had supplemental budget years where they've done like an entire transportation package. That isn't gonna occur this year. Yeah, I, coming into the session, I kind of talked about it as being sort of status quo year. It felt like they weren't expecting a lot in the terms of the revenue forecast, which so they wouldn't have a lot of additional money to work with. Um, there's no recession or pandemic to deal with, um, no new federal funding coming down. So it does feel kind of like an actual supplemental budget year this year. Or a little closer anyway. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned the revenue forecast that was just last Wednesday. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about what we learned from that? Yeah. So um, the state's revenue forecast is uh, done by the state's economist and the Economic Revenue Forecast Council. And one of the things I think is it's a little bit more unique about Washington is that we have this forecast council and they have experts who come up with these forecasts and then they're adopted by this bipartisan forecast council and then that's the numbers everybody works off of. So they're not arguing about, well, I think your revenue is going to go up by 10%. No, I think it's going to go up by 20%. They just accept the numbers done by the economists and the experts. You know, there it's also a good, good tool for cities too because we're the state's revenue forecast is going is probably where a lot of cities are going. So it's a great tool. And I don't know, maybe I'm just kind of wonky. I, I like I like it. Uh, I find it interesting. In November um, was the last revenue forecast. And then they just did one, as Sheila said last week, uh, on February 14th on Valentine's Day. And the state's revenue forecast was up about $122 million since November and about a billion dollars overall since the budget was adopted last year at the end of the 2023 session. So that sounds like a lot of money, and it is a lot of money. But as cities know, um, expenditures go up at, at roughly the same pace, if not greater. And that's what we continue to see at the state level as well as at the local level is that um, inflation is driving costs up uh, and revenue don't necessarily keep up with that. 
Um, but the state does have you know a fair amount of revenue to work with. There's a few things going on though that will probably um, impact their optimism with some of that revenue. One of the things to note is just that while revenue overall is up, REIT revenue, in particular real estate excise tax revenue, is down. It had been at historic highs. Um, it's certainly not at historic lows, but it's definitely down significantly from those highs, which is impacting a number of things the state funds and things cities care about. Right. Things like the Public Works Trust Fund and uh, City County Assistance yeah. Fund. Yeah. But we get a share of that state REIT for... For cities this year in the state's budget, we have a number of funding priorities, um, some of which were included, some of which weren't, or maybe not as much as we'd like. But um, Sheila, you've been really delving into the details in the budget, um, line by line in some cases. What have you been seeing in terms of things that are important to cities? Well, maybe we can start with public safety because that's certainly been a big focus with cities this year. And um, we're seeing some positive things, uh, some backfilling of some of the multi-jurisdictional drug task force money that um, had sort of changed at a federal level and so making sure those are fully funded. Uh, there's money um, and changes in both budgets to um, allow cities to avoid having to pay for 25% of basic law enforcement costs, uh, at least moving forward. Um, so that's good for those we're able to hire and retain uh, new police officers. Sort of on the downside of that, we had hoped there'd be an extra $10 million that the governor had included in his pr budget proposal um, to help fund recruiting and retention of law enforcement. And so far, as we are looking through the budgets, we don't see that in either the House or Senate proposal. So that's a little disappointing, I would say. I agree. I do think it's exciting, though, to see the legislature kind of revisiting that 25% cost share for the Basic Law Enforcement Academy. Um, it's something that they introduced during the Great Recession, and then it just kind of stuck around. So it's nice to see that being revisited this I, session. I agree. I think I think it will help on the cost side for cities as they really struggle with uh, getting new law enforcement officers on the force and, and um, dealing with the, the backlogs and training. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of funding going into human services um, and the state's behavioral health system. Yes. Um, I think the, the uh, house proposals that we saw um, come out, it will probably have a bigger portion of funds towards that. Um, but yeah, in both cases, they're really focused on increasing capacity for behavioral health treatment um, and, and really sort of addressing some of the uh, problems in getting people um, services and in having service providers even in the industry in terms of their costs. So I think uh, there's some pretty big investments there and I think it'll be investments that we um, benefit from and certainly take things out of the law enforcement uh, side of things. And then housing's another big piece. Um, we unfortunately haven't seen the big state investments in affordable housing for ongoing revenues. Uh, we had hoped to see maybe some sort of a new REIT um, or version of REIT applied to uh, higher um, value properties and sales. But um, there is significant investment in both the House and Senate budgets for housing programs and um, vulnerable individuals um, in, in 
for the House and Senate take slightly different approaches. Um, they're pretty significant investments again after last year's historic investment in housing. Um, so that's good news, I think, for cities. Yeah, and I think probably um, one of the things we've spent a lot of time over the years is protecting our state shared revenues. And it seems like good news there. Those are left alone for the most part. They do fluctuate based on the revenue forecast and what's expected. So I know we were looking at the the cannabis revenue and that looked down a little bit, but apparently the forecast is down a little bit. So that's what happened. <laughs> right. And so things change. We're, we're, uh, we're, we won't know the exact numbers until March 7th, probably. Um, maybe another piece um, that's sort of good news is the public works uh, assistance account um, overall wasn't um, diverted. Um, so that money continues to fund infrastructure projects. Um, we also see a, a pretty healthy um, new project list for the culverts on the local side through the um, Brian Abbott Fish Barrier Removal Board. That's a little mouthful to say. Uh, and so that's good news. And then I think a, a, a good amount of um, investment in um, sort of clean energy infrastructure projects, but that has a downside as well uh, because there's this initiative kind of hanging out there that could um, affect that funding. Yeah, so that's one of the interesting things about this session and these budgets is there's this cloud over things with six initiatives to the legislature, um, a couple of which have potentially really significant fiscal impacts to the state. Um, so there, there are those six initiatives out there, and I will try to tick off what they are, but then I wouldn't remember all six of them. But the two that have the really big potential fiscal impacts are um, the initiative that would repeal the Climate Commitment Act and the cap and invest system that is um, bringing in a lot of dollars for the state um, for those kinds of uses. And then another initiative that would repeal the capital gains tax. And those are dollars that are going um, primarily for um, uh, education, early learning, um, that, that sort of arena. So maybe not directly impacting cities, but potentially having a, a long-term or a, an indirect impact. Um, the as it's been reported, and as the um, legislative leaders have said, is they're they're not planning to hold public hearings on those two initiatives. They're going to let them go straight to the ballot this November and um, see what the voters think uh, of those. And so that certainly is impacting their long range thinking about the budget. It's got a lot of question marks in there. Those are dollars that they've, they've budgeted, they've been relying on, planning for, and um, now there's some big question marks there. Mm -hmm. And to that point, at least in the capital budget, there are a number of programs uh, that are delayed funding until January 1st, 2025, uh, until we know the outcome of those uh, elections. And again, while those initiatives don't necessarily have um, a direct funding impact in, to cities, uh, if the state suddenly finds that they don't have those revenues available for, for those projects that they're holding off on, um, that could lead them to looking for other sources of revenue. And then maybe we have to worry a little bit more. Yeah, particularly with the revenue forecasts sort of 
predicting to be a little bit flat into the future. So there won't be new revenues driving uh, increased capacity for increased costs or, or shifting of programs. Um, so we'll definitely keep an eye on that. So Candace, uh, what should city officials be doing now? Uh, what should they, what, what, what are the things to do during budget season? Well, budget season is nearly over. It, it happens really fast in the legislature and particularly in a, a short session. As Sheila noted, session ends on March 7th. The budgets have to be adopted by then. Um, the budgets were heard and negotiations are ongoing. So there's certainly no time to waste for city officials to reach out to legislators and share what's important to them, some of the things they really wanna see funded. Um, I know many cities focus on an individual project that perhaps they've requested, but also talk about some of those things that, that impact you more generally, like um, getting rid of this cost share for the Basic Law Enforcement Academy. Um, uh, those, you know, those are things that help everybody um, and aren't just project specific. So don't wait, reach out as soon as possible and let legislators know what you think about the budget, what you'd like to see in there. Um, AWC has, a, a, we call it our budget matrix. We're not very creative on the naming of that, but it lists a lot of the things that we um, believe are important to cities in the budget and where they're at. Um, we sent a letter to budget leaders uh, back in January, highlighting things that were important to cities generally. So that's a tool that city officials have in terms of talking with your legislators. Um, so look at, check out our website, our legislative bulletin. There's lots of information in there that you can use when you reach out to your legislators, but don't wait, do it as soon as possible because um, session's nearly over and that budget will be adopted and, and finalized pretty soon. That sounds like great advice, Candice. Yeah, thanks, Sheila. And thanks for being um, our budget go-to expert in all things uh, budget and finance at the state level and delving into the back of the budget details. Love which, the back of the budget. The back of the budget's where all the good stuff is, actually. So thanks for sitting down and sharing a little bit more about the state's budget. Thank you. And that's it for the City Voice podcast. The City Voice podcast is a production of AWC, where our mission is to serve our members through advocacy, education, and services. As always, thanks for listening.